0: How you guys doing this morning? Oh, that was weak. That was weak. I, I just did chapel for the preschool this week, so that that was that was bad. How you guys doing this morning? That's better. There we go. I got to do a fun lesson with them where I was talking about temptation and don't break the rules. And then I dangled a $5 bill on a fishing pole over all their heads and got to watch them jump up and down. And their teachers freak out. Like, no. Except for Miss April's class. They did not budge. I don't know what she says to her classroom, but they did not budge. There was gum, there was a video game, and money, and I dangled that over their heads and they sat there just looking at it. Nope, nope, it was awesome. Uh, This morning, would you please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 9? We're going to keep going through our our Romans study, and um, I'm loving what God is sharing and um, revealing to me as I dive into Romans, so I'm glad that you're here with me today. I'm glad if you're joining us online, welcome back, and um, I'm believing that for, for all of us here today... I know that uh, th- throughout the week as I talk with people and, and people come in and share their lives with me, I, I get to hear a lot. You know, a, a lot of good things people are going through. I hear a lot of hard things people are going through. Um, but, but I love the fact that, that we get to talk about it and we get to go through it together. And ultimately, we get to know that God desires to shed so much light on darkness in our lives. And um, I love that Romans is going to talk more about this today. But um, God wants to shed light on any darkness, he wants to free us from baggage, and he wants us to live the purpose-driven life, the, the, the things that he has planned for us, and I love that we get to do this together. So this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to keep going through Romans on this, and um, let me pray for us as we, as we dive in here. This is going to be a, a big one today. I say that every week because it, it really is, but here we go. God, thank you so much for today. I, I thank you for your word, God, your, your word that is everlasting, that is always true and, and reveals so much to us about us and about your heart. And I pray today that as we as we dive into to Romans again, that you reveal things to us, things that we need to work on, God, that maybe, maybe we have a, a conviction or something where we say we need to make a change or we need to make a step, God, but it's one that's towards you and one that's for you. So God, we thank you. We love who you are, and I love that you love us. And everybody said, amen. All right, so last week we, we dove into this, what we call the pursuit of righteousness. What does it mean to live a righteous life, and how does that look for, for each and every one of us? And, and I love that we learned that we don't have to do it alone. In, in, in our walk, as we walk towards God and see what he has for us, we have a community that does this with us. We have the Holy Spirit that is with us every step of the way, and you're never alone no matter what you're going through in your walk. And, and today, uh, we're going to continue on through Romans, and, and I've said this before, Romans is the most systematic and developed doctrinal book, I think, in, in the New Testament. And, and it's, it's really great how Paul writes this down, and, and I think that if, if we wanted to, and, and I won't, but if we wanted to, we could spend, honestly, like a year in Romans, because there's so much that he says, and so much to apply, and so many directions that he goes with it. But um, I also want to talk about like thankfulness and Christmas, so we won't be doing that. But there's, there's a lot, and we may revisit it at some point down the road. But we've chosen some highlights from Romans. We, we've talked about sin, righteousness, and unity. And, and today in chapter 9, before we dive in, I want to share with you a story, or ask you to join me in a, in a memory of school. You guys all went to school, right? In some way, shape, or form. Nobody? Wow. There we, go, there we go, school. How many of you guys, uh, you know, there was, the, there was school in the classroom and you're with your friends and, you know, sometimes you had good experiences with teachers and bad experiences with other people. But, you know, we, we all have the same kind of whether it was homeschool or classroom, you have teachers and stuff and things you have to do. But for many of us who went to um, either public school or private school, there was recess. Recess could be either an amazing time or a point of where it was lined up on the wall where we're picking teams. And sometimes, whether it was kickball or dodgeball or basketball, that's where friendships were made or broken. When the two captains went out and they had to pick teams. You were either one of the kids that got picked first, you were the kid jumping down saying, pick me, and maybe you never got picked. You, you, were, you were the last one there. And sometimes when I talk about this, I know um, I've talked to people about it before, and some people say they have like anxiety of even thinking like, oh, I, I hated that. I was always the last one picked. Always the, the one that nobody wanted on their team. Not everybody can be like me, the captain all the time, right? Totally kidding. Maybe not. But, and some of us can remember those days. The, 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 the playground, the recess days. Now, maybe you had to sit there and watch all your friends get picked. Um, I also love the movie Shrek, the first one, only really the first one. But the, the part in Shrek where Shrek has to go to Lord Farquaad and say, you know, get these creatures off my swamp, and someone wants to go with him. And Shrek offers, does anybody else want to go? And if you've seen it, you know the one character who jumps up and down, pick me, pick me, pick me, and Shrek does not want to pick him. It's Donkey. Donkey wants to go so desperately, and Shrek reluctantly takes Donkey. But, but I, I love that scene. Shrek did not want him, but he gets forced to take him, and their friendship starts to, to develop and blossom. But just like some of us on the playground at recess, we may want to be on that good team, the, the, the winning team, the team that all of our friends are on, but sometimes we don't get picked, or we're picked last, and, and the reality sets in in those moments like, nobody wants me. It just feels like nobody wants me. Now, that, that's obviously a, a childish example, but, but sometimes in life, I think we still go through those phrases where you feel like, I want to do this, but nobody wants me. I didn't get the invite. I wasn't included. And you feel like you just weren't chosen to do something that you really, really wanted to do. Before we read today's passage, I want to say a, very, a, a phrase that really stands out that I learned from Romans. And the whole talk is, is today's going to be based off of this phrase, God chooses us. God chooses us. And I could probably just close with that and have the worship team come up. If you leave here today, no, God chose you, amen. But we won't. So this is amazing news, though. When you really think about it, you think about all the things in life that maybe you want to be a part of, things you want to be included in, the the, the highs and the lows, knowing that through it all, God chose you. God continues to choose you. God wants you. God has an incredible mission for the world, and he chooses you to be a part of it. That's, that's a really, really awesome thought when you think of how the, the magnitude of who he is and how little it seems we are, he still chooses you. So if you have your Bible turned to it, Romans chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 14. We'll read a chunk of scripture today, 14 to 25, and it says this, What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion." It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. That's a lot there, a lot about what God can do, what he chooses to do, and ultimately giving the authority to God to do basically whatever he wants, and saying that, you know, who, who are we to complain to God when he is the one that is in charge? It's clear in this passage that he has the final authority. He gets to choose, who does he show mercy to? Who does he not? Who does he heal? Who does he ultimately say, you're coming home to heal? Whose heart does he get a hold of right away, and whose heart gives into to their own desires. There's a phrase there that I think um, that, that deserves a little bit of attention. It says, you know, who, who the hearts whom ha- God hardens. And sometimes people get hung up on that, like, well, why would God choose to harden your heart but not someone else's heart? And I think when we, when we break down Scripture, one of the biggest examples we see of that phrase in action is with Pharaoh. Moses goes to Pharaoh, and a lot of us may know the story. You know, Moses says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no, lots of bad things continue to happen. And in that passage, and you'll see it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But what's really cool is before it says, God, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, there's five or six times before that that it says, Pharaoh hardened his heart and said no. So what happens there is it's not God saying, all right, Pharaoh, I will make you say no. What we see is when it's saying God hardened someone's heart, what it's, the translation is God living, giving someone into their desires. It's God saying, all right, I gave you a chance, I'm working with you, I'm trying, I'm talking to you, but you keep saying no, so I'm gonna let you do this now, you've chosen this, I'm gonna let you go. And all throughout scripture, when we see people where it says their hearts were hardened, you know how many times it works out for that person? It never does, that's not a trick question, it never does. So we see that God has the authority, and he lets us choose him, but he chooses us, but he also lets us choose to say, I'm going to or I'm not going to, and he will let you make that choice. God says, this is not going to work out for you, but if this is what you want, I'll give you into your own desires. I think this passage in Romans um, echoes that example today with, with our hearts and how our hearts relate to God and work towards God. God shows mercy to those who follow, but he also lets people choose not to follow and he'll give them in to their own desires, which will cause a hardened or calloused heart. But yet in these moments, as, as, we, as we unpack and see what, what God does and what God maybe we see, see him not do, we have to have this faith to trust him. We have to have this faith to say that I don't understand why you did this or why you're not doing this, but I still trust that your way is better than my way each time. <clears throat> I also know that in our lives, we may have those people that we wonder that same question, right? Say, God, why, why haven't you gotten this person's heart yet? I pray for this person. I talk to this person. Why, why, why does it feel like you haven't chose, chosen them? And I know sometimes um, I've asked myself the same question um, and I've shared with you guys about the conversations I've been having with one of my older brothers. And the questions I have with, with God in these moments are like, all right, God, we, we have the same parents. We grew up in the same house. We went to the same church. We had the same values. We had the same rules. Why is his heart hardened towards you? Why does he not choose to follow you? Why, why does he choose to give into his own things? What, what is happening here? And today, you may have that same question about people in your life. Why does it feel like you've captured my heart, God, but you just haven't captured their hearts yet? Maybe it's a friend you think of. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a child of one of your own children. The, the, the reality of this is, is we, we don't know how God works, right? We don't know why he chooses what he does. We, we don't, we, we, it, can you imagine trying to have all the knowledge and power of God? They made a movie about it, you know, Bruce Almighty. It didn't work out for him either, it's, uh, it's, we don't understand how he works, but there are things that we can choose to, to understand and read. There are things that we can really, really believe in and dwell on because Scripture gives some amazing truths of the character of God. And I truly believe this. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, God has a big plan for you. He has chosen you and he has not hung you out to dry. Even in the hardest times, he has not hung you out to dry. And this is what I really wanna move forward with today. Some key components to this this phrase, God chooses us. God chooses us. And um, in Romans, the passage we just read, he calls us his special possession. You guys have a special possession at home, something that, that you look at and you're like, this means the world to me. And to anyone else walking by, it would look like nothing. If you played sports, you have a lucky pair of socks that to the rest of the world is the most disgusting thing. But for you, you've never lost when you've started the game in those socks. It's like a special possession, right? A disgusting special possession. But God looks at us and he says, you are my special possession. And I think he says this because there's something we see all throughout scripture when, it talks to, when, it, when we read about God and how he relates to us. Understand we're special and he chose us because we were created in his image. We were created in the image of God. From the very beginning of creation itself, when God formed and chose to create humans, he did it very differently than he did anything else. When we see God creating light, when we see God creating the earth, when we, when we read about God creating the animals and the land and the vegetation, what does God do to create those things? He speaks it. He says, let there be, and it was good. Let there be, and it was good. But when it comes to, to, to mankind, there's a very different creation. God doesn't just say, let there be man. He doesn't do that. He forms it. Genesis 127 says this, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then continuing in in chapter two, verse seven, it says, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. When it came to creation of man, there there wasn't just speaking to the creation of, of, of humanity. There was a physical forming. There was breathing into the nostrils, the breath of life. This was a personal, intimate creation. This wasn't just speaking something. This was God physically saying, from creation, I am with you. I am a part of this. I am doing this, and it's very intimate. We were intentionally created in the image of God to be different and set apart. But then since Genesis 3, sin enters the picture. Sin enters in, and it's kind of like a, one of the, the major humanity letdowns, right? The, the things we have done wrong. We fall short. We, we step away from the standard that God set for us. We allow sin to start to, to distort this image that God so masterfully created. But I'm here to tell you today that what I believe Scripture says and what Romans says is even if we have a distorted image, none of us has a destroyed image, No one has a destroyed image. You were and you are created in the image of God, and he has chosen to do that specifically for you. God gets to decide. God gets to decide what the purpose is. is. God gets to decide what the mission is. God gets to look at each and every one of you and say, this is your call. This is what I want for you. That's not going to be the same as somebody else's. He's chosen you for something specific. You have your job, and God can do his work, what he's chosen, through you. For some reason, though, amidst our flaws and our sins, and this is I think this is just a powerful thought, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our distortedness, he still continues to choose. He still continues to use, and he still wants us to be used by him. And and when you think of that, I I know that at times I I definitely go through through phases where where I know that I feel like I'm broken before God, and I can have that why question, like what, what makes me even worthy to do this? I ask myself that almost every week before I get to stand up here, it's like, why have you chosen me to go, to to, to be here, to do this? But then there are other times where I look at this, and I'm filled with joy. I look at my life, and I go, man, in the midst of everything I've done, in the midst of the brokenness that I am, he still has so much joy for me. He still has so much love for me, and he still has so much desire to see me grow. And that I think for all of us, no matter where we are, that should allow us to feel privileged and honored that the God of the universe still chooses you in the midst of everything. In your worst moments, the worst decision you've ever made, God still says, I still want you. I still choose you. God chose to enter into a broken relationship. He chose to enter into a broken humanity to bring things about redemption, to bring reconciliation. What an amazing example of Grace. Know this: that we are broken, but God's purpose is beautiful. We may be broken, but in our brokenness, God's purpose is so beautiful. Paul read in a, he said in Romans chapter nine. He talked about a potter. He said the potter has the right to choose what to do with the clay. How bizarre would it be if the clay made its own choice? Doesn't happen, right? You're watching a weird cartoon or movie if that happens. But the clay doesn't get to choose what it was designed for. The potter chooses what he is molding, what he is shaping it to be. God could have easily passed by and said, No, don't want to. No, don't want to. But we don't see him doing that. He wants us and he wants to use us. And and there's a big reason behind this. When we are a broken people used by a whole God, he gets the glory. That that clay pot, when, when the potter makes the clay pot, that clay pot does not get the glory. The creator gets the glory. We, uh, we visited my sister in Montana, and we went to this, um, I don't remember the exact name of the shop, but it was, they had all this these clay things all over, and you could take whatever you wanted and paint it, and then you give it to them, and they bake it or cook it, you know, and infuse all the paints in there. So, so we had a lot of fun, you know, painting things. I am not artistic at all. Um, Stephanie said we needed new measuring cups, so now we have ceramic measuring cups because I painted measuring cups. But um, my daughter Avery found a Darth Vader mug. Avery is obsessed with Darth Vader. Aurora's obsessed with Obi Wan Kenobi. They're going to have a very contentious relationship growing up. But Avery loves Darth Vader, so she saw this mug and she was like, Dad, I need this. She said, Dark, I need the Darth Vader mug. So we, we got the mug and I said, How are you gonna paint it? And she got it and it is all sorts of colors. I mean, just any color she could grab, it was red and green and yellow and purple. It was just this thing is a just hodgepodge of colors and then colors that got mixed together and it's it's beautiful, right? It's yeah. So so she has this mug and we finally uh, we finally my sister came and saw us and we got to we got the mug back. And so, um, because it was in Montana, so we left it there, and when it was done, she grabbed them for us. But we got this mug at home, and Avery looked at it, and when, when I looked at it, you know, the first thought is, this is beautiful, right? This is your weird mug. Avery looked at it, and she loves this mug. It is her favorite mug, and she drinks milk out of this mug, and it's her Dark Vader mug, and it does the purpose she created it to be, but because she created it, she knows how beautiful that is. That is her creation, and she is proud of it. To anybody else that looks at it, they look at that mug and go, where'd you find that? Like, that's Darth Vader's, you know, black, and that is, there's no black on that thing. It is weird. In the same way, God molds us, God creates us, and God gets to look at us and say, I created that. That is beautiful. I have a purpose for that. Other people may not see it. Other people may look and say, I don't know what's happening here, but when you follow God and he reveals his purpose to you, he gets the glory. He gets the magnif- he get, We get to glorify and lift him up because we are being used for what he created you to do. And that is a beautiful thing and no one else can argue with it when you are following what God wants you to do. Acts chapter nine. We're gonna, we're gonna jump over to Acts for a little bit here because um, we're gonna talk more about um, Paul. And see what kind of happens with him and his brokenness as well. So in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1, um, we'll see a guy named Saul. Just so you know, this is Paul, if you're not familiar with it. But here we go. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found there any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. This same guy who we're reading all this stuff from about the righteousness of God and following Jesus is the same guy who was asking for letters to arrest and murder Christians. This was a broken man. He didn't even realize how broken he was. This is the same guy who wrote a majority of the New Testament, uh, credited for planting churches, for for sparking this movement that that showed Jesus to the world. He was murdering people. This is a phenomenal story. He killed believers in Jesus because he thought this was the righteous thing to do. He thought their message was contrary to God's, but then he had this encounter with Jesus. Jesus this beautiful encounter with, with God and, and the rest is, is basically history with what Paul has accomplished. He, his name is changed from Saul to Paul. He's a brand new creation and he's able to see who God created him to be and then in turn, he starts helping other people learn who they were, who Jesus created them to be. He went on to become the most, one of the most effective people for spreading the gospel in history because he knew he had a story to tell he knew God chose him in the midst of his brokenness. God didn't wait until Paul realized he was doing something wrong. He didn't wait till Paul was like, you know what? In my quiet time today, I realized I may be doing something wrong. God, what do you have? God met him in the middle of his mess, in the middle of his brokenness, went to him and said, this is who I am. This is who I created you to be. God chose Paul in the middle of his worst This type of story, this type of story, does not have to stay in the Bible. I want you—I guess—to know that right now. This type of story, God coming to someone in the middle of their mess, God coming to someone and totally making them do a a 180 and change everything. This is not just a Bible story. This is something that still happens to this day. This is something that can happen to this day. It does, and it will happen to this day. I believe that it's because of, of our imperfections. Um, our imperfections that that God gets so much glory for what happens. Maybe for you, you've believed a lie in your life. Maybe you believe that, that God certainly couldn't use you because you were too imperfect. I'll tell you right now, don't believe it. Don't believe the lie that you tell yourself. God will use the most imperfect person. He will choose the most imperfect person to do the most perfect job. God has grace he has mercy and compassion and it's given freely because of his deep love and choice to love us. And because of this, because God chooses to meet us in our brokenness, because he chooses us, there's nothing we can do to earn it. His choice to love us, his choice to show us grace is something that is totally undeserved. 100% undeserved. Did did Saul or Paul deserve to get saved by God in that moment? Not really. Did he deserve to, to eventually, you know, face up and stand before God and God say, you, you killed my people, I don't like this, and I'm really upset? Yeah, we can think of a lot of things Paul deserved, but God showed him grace. God said, I'm going to show you who I am, and I'm going to love you, and you're going to see your purpose, and you're going to see what I chose for you to do. And because of that grace, Paul was able to start this movement that still to this day is working. Here's the reality. You can't earn this love God shows you. A pastor once told me this. He said, God loves you just as much right now as he ever will. God loves you just as much right now as he ever will. This is not a God whose love fluctuates back and forth. He doesn't say, well, I love you more today because you talked to me this morning. You forgot this morning, so I love you less. He doesn't fluctuate on how much he loves us. He has an all-encompassing, never-ending love for you. He doesn't love you less when you mess up he doesn't love you, he doesn't love me less when I, when I totally bomb my message and thank goodness for that because I feel like I do that often. He doesn't love you less if you, if you tithe or don't, more or less if you tithe or don't tithe. He doesn't love you more or less whether you volunteer or not in the church nursery. And having said that, sign up because the nursery needs people and we'd love to have you. But it should give us so much comfort to know that in the midst of what you're doing, God doesn't love you more or less, he loves you, period. He chooses to love you. How many times do we we get to look at our spouses and kids, and sometimes we have to say that? Choose to love you today. Choose to love you today. Um, one day, you know, we went home and our dog ripped up our couch. My wife to this day still chooses not to love the dog, but but I, I choose to love my dog even in that moment. There's things we have to choose to love, but I love that beyond the shadow of a doubt. Every day, every minute, God chooses to love you. Regardless, it doesn't change. He chooses to love you. That should give you an amazing comfort in your hardest times. And it's the same with God's mercy. Paul makes it clear that we can't work for God's mercy. If we could, then we would be driven by like a performance-based Christianity. Like if I want God to do this, then I have to do X, Y, and Z. The fact is, God loves you no matter what. This is God's gift to us. It's God's job to be perfect. He is the perfect one. Not your job to be perfect. He knows we're gonna mess up, so he gives us the ability to keep coming back to him. It's God's job to be perfect. God gave us this gift. He chose us before we even had the opportunity to choose him. Before we could even think for ourselves, God already chose you. He knew who you were going to be. He knew what you were going to do, and he already chose you. He knew your strengths. He knew your weaknesses. He knew your victories. He knew your defeats. He knew it all, and he still chose you. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, in Jeremiah's case, God formed, God knew that he was going to be a prophet, and he was going to go speak to the, the people at a very horrible time while they were in captivity. Now, now you and I might not be the, the next prophets of God, right, appointed to bring God's word to Israel, but the idea of being formed and known before you were created, this is a theme that runs through Scripture, if you go to Psalm 139, starting in verse 13, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's incredible. God chose you, knew you, planned you, loved you before you were even a thought. That's amazing. And, and there's, there's a few words that, that came to mind as we put this together. And everything so far in Romans that we've, we've talked through, these three words just keep blaring in my mind. You were formed, you were known, and you were chosen. You were formed, you were known, and you are chosen. These are powerful words when it comes to trying to figure out your identity in the world. Because sometimes we, we turn to the world for identity, but we can turn to God where God says, I formed you, I know you, I choose you. Know that you've been redeemed and loved by God. And his plan for your life originated long before today. His love for you isn't based on the fact that you decided to come and join us here today or you're watching us at home. God's love is not a factor in that. it's not based on anything you have or haven't done. It was his choice, his prerogative, his decision, and he chooses it every day. There are so many examples in history of God choosing to love and choosing to use people that we would say don't deserve it, but he does it anyway. We talked about Paul earlier, but there's so many others that come to mind. And if if you read through scripture, you'll you'll find they're, they're everywhere. People that do not deserve it, but God chooses them anyway. King David. We all know David for for what he's done as a righteous king, but he was also an adulterer and a murderer. And God chose him to use amazing things. We We see God choose prostitutes to save nations. We see God choose people that we would say, there is no way. And God says, but I'm the way and watch me work. It's incredible when we see what God does when he chooses people who we don't think deserve it. And if God can use half the people he uses in scripture, he can use us. Absolutely. And, and there's, there's so many people not even in Scripture, people that you may even know, people just throughout the world today that, that we know their story and we know how God got a hold of them and worked in their hearts and now they do an amazing thing. This this concept of God changing a life is not stuck to Scripture. God chooses people today. And I, did, I believe today he desires to use us all. It won't always be easy. Um, as, as we've said before, it requires a sacrifice following God. But man, I say it all the time, it's worth it. It is so worth it. The abundant life experienced in in Christ is so much better more beautiful than anything we could choose to do without him. So what I'm asking you today is understand, understand this, and if you haven't done this, choose Jesus. Choose Jesus knowing that he's already chose you. He has already chose you. No matter your circumstance, no matter your situation, you can and will be used for extraordinary things because of the choice God had to say, I formed you, I created you, and that you are beautiful, and I've got this plan. He chose to love us. I want to invite the worship team up uh, as we come to a close this morning. And the invitation to, to choose to follow Jesus and to understand this, this choosing God, this is, this is not just for people who have never done it before. I think there comes a, a point in a lot of our lives where we go, you know what? I feel like I need to choose this again. I I feel like it's been so long since I've understood that I, I need to choose to follow God each and every day. I need to choose that his way is better than mine. And that's something we struggle with all the time, something I struggle with all the time. But we can do this every day, choose to follow him. I think it's important that we all take time to consider the life that we have been called to, we've been invited to, we've been redeemed because we have this choice to follow Jesus. So I want us all to do a few things. Would you all stand with me as we come to a close this morning? As, as the worship team uh, uh, plays and when we sing, do these things. Think for a minute. Think, think about how special you really are in God's eyes. You weren't an afterthought. You weren't a mistake. You aren't just another person. You are special to God. Think about that for a second. You may have an a image of yourself that you don't like, And maybe it's an image that that sin has distorted, but know that God restores, and you are his special possession. Take a moment just to feel around you. Feel feel the authority that God has in your life. Feel that he is the one that's in charge. Sometimes we don't understand the decisions that that he makes in scripture, or even in our world, but know that his authority is final. Take a moment to feel that in your life. Feel that he's in control. There's things that we do, there's steps that we take, but ultimately he is the one that's got you in his hands. Feel his hands on you today. Do, do something. Begin to view yourself as one chosen by God. And once you you see that, do something about it. Share it with somebody. Make a change in your life. Make an adjustment. Go and do something when you understand, I've been chosen, let's go do it. Let's, Let's live this life together. And then pray. Thank God for what he's done for you. Thank God for what he's going to do. Have you ever thought about thanking God for the things he hasn't even done yet? How cool can that be? Like, you know what, God? I know there's great things. I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of them even though I don't know what they are. It's a cool place to be and it's something we get to do because God's got great things. Would you pray with me today? God, I thank you so much. Um, I thank you that you chose us. God, you, you chose you chose a broken, distorted, hurting people, and you chose to walk with us, to come to us, to meet us in our brokenness, and turn us into your masterpiece. So God, I pray for all of us here today, God, that we, we do those things. We, we think, we feel, we do, we pray, God, that we, we dwell in you, and we know that you have called us to amazing things, and we act on those things. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen.